0: Hello friends, this is Caleb Suko, and you're listening to The Gospel Today. Welcome back to the podcast, and just for a reminder, since I haven't said this in a long time, this is the podcast where I talk about gospel issues that apply to us today. So looking at the gospel, not just as a theological set of beliefs, but also how those beliefs affect the way we are, and the way we live, and the way we think. So that is the focus of this podcast, and I wanted to get back on the podcast because we are back in Ukraine now. And I know that over the last two months, we were in the U.S. from June, I think we arrived on June 3rd, and we left on August 11th. So just two months and one week. I think it was it was like ten weeks or eleven weeks. So it was a it was a bit of a whirlwind for us because during that time we were in ten different churches. I, th- I think I wrote this all down. Something like we were in ten different churches. So one church each Sunday. We had somewhere around forty meetings. Some of those were with small groups. Some of those were with a family or uh, individual or a couple that supports us, and we really enjoyed being able to share with so many people and also just to kind of reconnect because we also had the time to reconnect with family while we were there. But it was important for us to get back to Ukraine because of our ministry uh, the way it is right now. We just started our international church last year, and so it's still quite young and needs our attention. And then also because some of our ministry is connected with students, we really wanted to be here for the beginning of the school year to make sure we connect with new students coming in and that we're here for for that. So thankfully God worked it out that we could get back because you never know with travel these days, it is you just never know. But all that being said, I want to get back on the podcast and I know that I, I put out I think maybe three sermons while i was there in the u.s that came from uh, from speaking in different churches put those out on the on the on the podcast and i want to share with you another sermon today called conversations with the father and this is something i just spoke spoke on this past sunday at our church here Dust international fellowship but i also just want to talk with you and kind of let you know what's going on here because we are back in ukraine we have a lot of ministries that are starting up again and really appreciate your prayers and your support through all of that. God has been good to allow us to get back here despite COVID and just these strange tra- traveling times. Um, I'm telling you, it, it is strange today. And I'll just briefly share with you what it was like for us, because I know many of you have not traveled internationally during the COVID pandemic. But we have at least to the States and back this year. So here's how it worked for us coming back to Ukraine. We went and we actually got, we we are not vaccinated, by the way, and I'm not really um, here to talk about, you know, whether you should get vaccinated or not. We just simply made that decision because we already had COVID. And so we felt like we had antibodies and we didn't feel like we need to be vaccinated, but um, we, so we're not vaccinated, um, but we got our COVID test done the day before we were to fly and thought that would be great. I mean, because Ukraine requires to have negative COVID tests come in. Thankfully, everything was negative. And so we flew. Um, it was quite a long trip because we had this this terribly long layover in San Francisco. So we flew from Seattle early morning. Had to get up at like a four in the morning. So we'd be at the airport at five. Flew out at like, I think it was seven, 730, something like that got to San Francisco, had like seven hours in San Francisco. So that was kind of a long time to sit there, not going anywhere. Then got on the um, Turkish Airlines flight from San Francisco to Istanbul. That's a long flight, friends. That's 13 hours. And I know there are a few flights longer than that in this world, but I don't think there's that many that are longer than that. So we got on the plane there. And of course, you, know, you have to understand, mask all the time. You know, you're supposed to have mask in the airport, uh, mask all the time on the plane, except when you're eating. So our strategy is just to go and go to a cafe or or go find something to eat and sit down and eat it very slowly, so that you can at least get some time without your mask on. And so that's what we did in the airport, and that's what we tried to do on the plane when they, when they would feed us, and so we. So we flew to Istanbul 13 hours. I slept on and off most of that flight, actually, which I was glad for. But then when we came back to Ukraine, I was a little bit wasn't sure if that was a good thing because then my jet lag was really bad. But we when we arrived in Ukraine, they didn't even ask us about our covid test. Instead, they asked us about vaccination. They said, Are you vaccinated? And of course, we said no. And so they said okay you need to download this app on your phone it's a tracking app it will uh, you know you have to put your address in there where you're going to be living and it will make sure that you're at that address and it what it does is it takes pictures of your face from the front from the side from the left and then it geolocates you you know with your phone and then from time to time during the day, it will just pop on and it will say, take a picture of yourself just to make sure you're home. And so that's kind of how they track you to make sure that you're not that you're not leaving. that You're still in quarantine, because since we are not vaccinated, they want us to be in quarantine for, I think, two weeks. But they said, if you go and get a covid test within the next 72 hours, then you'll be released from quarantine. So that was kind of a bummer. And actually, it was just for Christina and me, because they didn't require the kids to have that. And so so we got the, those downloaded on our phone. We went home. And the strange thing was that Christina's, for whatever reason, within an hour after we got home, I said, oh, you're fine. You're good. You're free to go. <laughs> we still don't know why. I think it was a glitch. But mine did not free me up. So the next day, I went and I got the express test done, which is like a 15-minute Uh, covid test and it was negative and so within two hours or so basically what happens is the lab communicates with the department of health here within two hours or so then the my app on the phone said oh we received your negative covid uh, test and you're free to go so thankfully we didn't have to stay on quarantine for two weeks and concerning you know quarantine restrictions here uh, as i said before they're really not very strict right now um Basically, yeah, we really don't have really much any of any quarantine. I would say some stores still require it, um, but but not very many. So so thankful we're able to meet and everything, and, and that's um, nothing is, is hindered there so far. And I haven't really even noticed the numbers going up very much. I know they're kind of going up in the states right now. So anyway, that's kind of update. Getting home, getting back, our jet lag was terrible. It it was more than a week that we kind of suffered with it. I've i really never experienced it that bad. I don't know why, but thankfully I think we are over that now. So we've been able to get back with our church. We were there last Sunday, and I preached, and just uh, really blessed to to be back. A couple of prayer requests uh, connected with that and with our ministries here, and one is uh, we're right now we're working with one of the families in our church. It's a family from Nigeria. And two sisters and a brother, and they are trying to find an apartment. And here's the thing. Uh, when they find out that they're from Nigeria, many people do not want to rent to them. They just say, oh, no. Oh, I'm from Nigeria. No, we're not going to rent to them. And so that is a very, very real difficulty here. And so um, please pray that we'll be able to find a good, we need to find this week, really, an apartment for them. Uh, the girls are going to be studying at the medical university and their older brother is already studying um, at a different university here and then also pray for their older brother his name is excellent and um, they found out that he has a very large tumor uh, somewhere in his chest uh, they have done tests on it and we're waiting for the test results he's 19 years old so we have no idea what this is but it is causing him some problems right now I really ask you to pray for excellent um, very a faithful member of our church and, and active in, our, in the ministry of our church, he's 19 years old from Nigeria. So those are two things that I ask you to pray for. Then also, we are going to be starting up our Russian club here in the fall, well in September next month, and so I really ask you to pray for for that because uh, it's going to take planning. We need volunteers that can help with teaching, with organizing. And I just really ask that you pray for that, that this is one of our greatest, probably it is our greatest as a church opportunity to reach out to the international community here in Odessa. And then finally, um, I'm actually have some teaching planned already September, the week of September 6th, I will be at a ministry center near uh, the city of Khmelnitsky. It's actually in a small town called Shepitivka. And we'll be teaching evangelism to the volunteers and the people at that ministry center. I've never been there before, but they invite us to come. They're really anticipating us to come and teach. So Yuri and I are going to go teach um, one of our uh, seminars on biblical evangelism. And so I ask that you pray for just travel safety and success in teaching to that group. In Chepitivka, I believe that this is a ministry center that um, that ministers to um, to Gypsies and other kind of low income and and needy families in that area. So pray for me. Uh, week of September sixth, I'm going to be teaching there. Christina is back at her. Or at the women's center. She's at the women's center today. So pray for her. She gets back into that ministry. But anyway, praise the Lord. We are back here and, uh, getting back into our ministries here, but really appreciate your prayer support and and your financial support. If you can do that, um, our, our, um, we always have a need for financial support to keep, uh, the ministry expenses um, funded here and keep us keep us alive here. So we thank you for that. Uh, if you want to learn more, go to SugaFamily.org. And you can I think there's a tab that says giving, you can look at that. All right, friends, let's get into this sermon. The sermon is called Conversations with the Father preached at this past Sunday here at Odessa International Fellowship. Luke 6.12, One of those days Jesus went up on a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Luke 22.41, He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. Do you see a pattern in Jesus' life? It's very clear when we start looking at it. This pattern of private prayer, of getting away from the crowds where He can spend time alone with the Heavenly Father. What an amazing example Jesus is for us, especially today, because we, you know, I believe that we all, in one way or another, have crowds that are chasing us. You think, no, I don't have any crowds chasing me. Where are my crowds, right? We do. What I mean is things and people that demand your time and your attention and keep you from doing the things that you need to do, like spending time with your Heavenly Father. And so in one sense or another, we all have these Crowds that are constantly chasing us. And guess what? If Jesus gave in to those crowds, do you think that there would be a point in time where the crowds would say, Okay, Jesus, that's enough, we'll leave you alone now? Do you think that would ever happen? No, it would never happen. And the same is true in all of our lives, whether it is the social networks that are constantly on our phones and our devices, whether it is our work, our computers, our homework. There are things in our life that will never give up pursuing us and asking for our attention. And there are times that we just have to say, no, I need to set these things aside. I need to spend time with my heavenly father. And that takes discipline and it takes planning and it takes wisdom on our part to do that. Because it's not a natural thing. If we just give in to to the conditions around us, we will never have that time for quiet prayer and solitary time with our Heavenly Father. And the thing is that God wants us to have that time. God doesn't need that time. We need that time with God. But He wants to hear our voice. And He wants to hear our voice individually not just as part of the whole group. It's one thing to pray together with everyone. It's wonderful. To sing in a choir is wonderful. But you know what? God wants to hear your voice individually as well. And I think that what we see is as we look at Jesus' life, we see that Jesus lived in private conversations with God the Father more than he did in public discourse and ministry. Think about that for a minute. He lived more in private conversations with his Heavenly Father than he did in public ministry. What does that mean? That means it's kind of like an iceberg, right? That there is more under the surface. His ministry was just a small manifestation of his deep inner spiritual life and relationship with the heavenly father. And that should be true of us all today, but you know the temptation is quite the opposite. Opposite, isn't it? The temptation for us today is just to completely live public. Put everything on Instagram, put everything on Facebook, put everything on TikTok and and live publicly and have no private spiritual life that no one sees. Why? Because if no one sees it, how are they going to praise us for it? If no one sees it, how are they going to say, oh, wow, you're so amazing? There's no, nothing in it for me and for my own pride when I do it in private. And that's exactly how God wants it, isn't it? That's why God wants us to pull away and come away and be separate and spend time with him. Because that is the time when pride has no pull on us or very or less pull i should say but look we we read some of these verses uh as we read the scriptures matthew chapter 6 verse 6 jesus spends quite a lot of time in the sermon on the mount teaching about how to pray and he says this but when you pray go into your room close the door and pray to your father who is unseen then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you isn't that an interesting principle Unseen prayer is the type of prayer that God sees, right? Unseen prayer is the type of prayer that God sees. Now, of course, Jesus did not mean that it is wrong to pray in public, right? Jesus himself prayed in public. We have all kinds of examples of public prayers, and public prayers are good and can be useful too, but public prayers without private prayers are really just hypocrisy. And, and that's the thing that we need to remember here, because, you see, there's an added danger in public prayer. And we've, if you've been in the church long enough, you've probably all heard it, you know? It's, it's the person who knows how to pray well. The person who, when they begin praying, all of a sudden there's all of these, you know, four or five-syllable theological words that come out of their mouth, and all of the you's change into thys and these and thine, and, and, and the language changes. You're like, what happened to this person They never talk to me like this, right? And and there is a, a danger, a specific danger in public prayer that we can pray very theologically, very holy, very reverently, and yet those prayers are absent in our personal life. So, why is private prayer so important? Let me give you a few reasons why I think. And the first of all is just this. It removes the pretense what I mean by pretense is it removes any other kind of motivation for us to say something this way or that way because I know that, okay, Pastor Stefan is listening to me now, so I'm going to pray about this because I really know that you know, he'll like that or something. Or, you know, I don't think that so-and-so should be doing this, so I'm going to pray about that so that they know they shouldn't do that. And, and we get so confused and distracted In public prayer because we start allowing these other things to influence us now the thing is we can fool other people in prayer in fact I remember in when I grew up in the church some of you grew up in the church right I remember as a kid going to prayer meetings sometimes and there was always that one guy you know oh no he's gonna pray now this is gonna be a long time how can I stay awake while he prays you know and and, and sometimes I would, you know, there were times I think, oh my goodness, that person, they could pray for 15, they could pray for 20 minutes. They must be very spiritual. And the reality is, we can fool people with our prayers. People can start to think that you're spiritual because you pray well, you pray long, you pray with theological words, you pray, I don't know, things that other people don't pray. But we can never fool God. And so private prayer puts us into God's presence and God alone, where we need to understand we can never fool God. And so that's why private prayer is important. But also, I think that private prayer helps us to focus our heart so that we're not distracted by other people, other things around us. Jesus went up onto the mountainside. Uh, We don't really have any mountainsides in in Odessa, right? We have some hillsides maybe that you could go to. But I think that, you know, you can go down, you can go to the sea. I know some people that go to the sea to pray or go to a hill on the sea. Those are good places sometimes to pray just because they keep us from being distracted and they help us to focus our heart. It allows us to reflect on our own soul as well. What I find is in private prayer, I tend to think a lot less about other people and more about the condition of my own soul. And it helps me to be honest with myself. Also, I would say, private prayer just builds a strong relationship with the Heavenly Father. Imagine this. uh, Christina, my wife, is not here today, right? But She stayed home with Nicholas because he was kind of coughing a little bit. But imagine this. Imagine I only spoke to her when other people were around. I only spoke to her in public. And never in private. You see... If she was here today and I said something to her, you would assume that I speak to her a lot at home in private. And that would be a correct assumption, by the way. I do speak to her a lot at home in private. That would just be totally weird if I only spoke to my wife in public. But unfortunately, many of us live that way in our relationship with God, where we pretty much only speak to him in public. And if we do in private, we rarely speak to him in private. So it builds a strong relationship. And then of course, private prayer builds a foundation for spiritual success. So many people today wonder, why am I struggling with this? Why aren't I growing? And I think the question we could often ask is, are you praying? Do you have a prayer life? And by the way, I put myself in this as well, because this is something that sometimes I even hesitate to preach on prayer because I'm like, oh man, I'm not doing good there. I need to do better. I'm not that great of an example. But spiritual success has under it a foundation of prayer. And I want to share with you this quote by J.C. Ryle, who was a pastor, English pastor, who lived about 150 years ago, one of my favorite authors. He says this, Why is it that there is so much apparent religious working and yet so little result in positive conversions to God? So many sermons and so few souls saved, so much machinery and so little effect produced, so much running here and there and yet so few brought to Christ. Why is all this? The reply is short and simple. There is not enough private prayer. The cause of Christ does not need less working, but it does need among the workers more praying. Let us each examine ourselves and amend our ways. The most successful workmen in the Lord's vineyard are those who are like their master, often and much upon their knees. Amen? I think that's a good quote that helps us to understand this importance and underline the importance of private prayer if jesus needed prayer how much more do we need prayer unfortunately many people many christians live in silence with god and then they expect god to do something they expect some sort of spiritual success to happen in their lives many people don't know the embrace of their father in private prayer And I think that many people are lacking spiritual strength and hope simply because they lack private conversations with God. And what is the result? When we don't talk with those people near us, when we don't talk with those people who we should have a strong relationship with, we feel alone. We feel sometimes abandoned. We feel hopeless sometimes. We feel disappointed And then there becomes this sort of cold awkwardness in our relationship as well. I mean, that's just natural. That's the way it's going to be, unfortunately. And so what do we do? We try to fix our own problems without going to our Heavenly Father to talk about them. And we just do things mechanically. We try to get the job done. And the Heavenly Father is waiting for us, saying, Come to me. I want to hear your voice. I want to help you. I want to guide you. I want to encourage you. And unfortunately, many of us have forgotten that. So why, why don't we make a priority a prayer? Let me just share with you a couple of reasons that I think why we often personally don't make prayer a priority. And the first is that we don't really believe it. Now, I know probably all of you sitting here saying, well, I, I believe in prayer. Well, do you? Because what I find is that what we really believe in, what we believe strongly in, we do. Right? Like if we believe that we need food to live, we do it. We eat it. And if we believed in prayer, we would do it more. And I think that part of it is that we just need to strengthen our own faith. And maybe that's the first prayer that we need to make is God strengthen my faith and my belief in the power of prayer. And the, the second reason why we don't make it a priority is because. It's, it's easier just to give in to the pressures around us. And whatever that pressure may be for you, whether it is your social media networks, whether it is going out with your friends or your schoolwork or your job, it's just easier to sort of like give in, not set boundaries, and just kind of let life happen to you. And then all of a sudden you've gone a week or two weeks or a month and you've had little to no private time with the Heavenly Father. So we need to not give in to those pressures and set those times when we can pray. Of course, I think it's a problem that we live in an always on world. I have a problem with this sometimes because there's my phone, there's, there's my, my iPad and I can just flip it on and I can immediately be talking with somebody. In fact, now uh, our son, Michael. And you know, he often is working nights as, as a guard. And so it's kind of nice, actually, because I can call him during the day. And it might be three o'clock in the morning there. He's awake or he's supposed to be awake, right? And I'm <laughs> trying to keep him awake. And or I wake up in the middle of the night here and I, you know, I kind of have a little hard time going back to sleep. I can just pick up my phone and and I realize that, you know, it's a lot better to pray or read my Bible than to just pick up my phone. And we have to guard against that. And the fourth reason, I think that Satan is just a master distractor. You know, sometimes we think that Satan is just out to get us, to make us fall into deep sin, right? To make us commit adultery or commit murder or or take drugs or do something terrible. And most of the time, you know what? It's just enough for him just to distract you. Just distract you enough that you don't have time for God, that you don't have time for his word, that you don't have time for prayer, that you don't have time to help your neighbor. Just a little distraction goes a long way to keep us from a lot of good spiritual things that we could do. So what can we do to make prayer a priority? A few things here before I go on to the next point. And I think that we do need to plan for prayer. We, just, we, we need to plan for it. Have, have a routine, have a time when you know that is a time when you can pray and you can spend that time alone with God. Set aside those distractions, whether it's your phone, uh, whether it's, I don't know, what, maybe it's your friend that you need to say, hey, sorry, uh, I, I got to go spend some time with God. Uh, But but also, sometimes I think finding a prayer partner, and what I mean by prayer partner is not even necessarily someone who will pray with you at that time, but somebody that will support you in that. will say, hey, did you pray today? Did you have time with God today? And give you a little bit of accountability in that. Find a place. Maybe it's difficult for you to pray because you live in a dorm room or you live in an apartment with a bunch of people. Our apartment Um, well, it's getting a little bit quieter. We used to have seven people. Now we only have five people in our apartment. But, you know, sometimes it just helps to get out and pray somewhere. Uh, Also, I would say practice biblical meditation because sometimes, you know, you go to pray and it's just like there might be nothing there, right? Practice biblical meditation. What do I mean by that? Take a psalm and read through it. Think about it verse to verse. Pray the prayers that are in that psalm. And God usually uses that to help prime the pump of prayer. And then one thing that that I do from time to time is I write down my prayers. And I find that this is a a discipline, and sometimes it's difficult to do, and I feel like it takes too long, but then I'm focused. I focus on it, so I have a journal, and I will write. And It doesn't have to be a long prayer. It can be a very short prayer. But I will write those prayers down, and it helps me to focus on those prayers Folks, we need to have these heart-to-heart conversations with our Heavenly Father. So we see that Jesus put a priority on private prayer, but also, very simply, we see that Jesus prayed often, okay? It wasn't once a month. It wasn't once a week. It was often. Look at Luke chapter 5, verse 16. It says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So, the gospel writers are emphasizing the fact that this was a regular and often thing that Jesus did. In fact, the most popular prayer, what is Jesus' most popular prayer? Who knows? You guys know. What? Okay, in the garden. That wasn't what I expected, but I was saying. Yeah, what he taught his disciples, what we read. The Lord's Prayer, right? That's oftentimes the most popular prayer that everyone knows about. But did you know that John chapter 17, it's a whole chapter of Jesus just praying? And it's much longer and much more in depth. And we see a number of different types of prayers. Uh, we see prayers of praise. For instance, Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. He says, he praised God that he hid these things from the wise and revealed them to children. We see him pray to raise Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11. We see him pray as he enters Jerusalem in, the triumphal, uh, in triumphal entry in um, John chapter 12 and in the other gospels where he prays that the, that the Father will be glorified. And then in John chapter 17, like I said, it's interesting, Jesus prays for himself as he would go through this difficulty of the cross. He prays for his disciples. And he prays for all who will come after He prays for you and me. He prayed for other people. And so we see all of these different types of prayers in the life of Jesus. And and also a number of different occasions when Jesus prayed. Here's just a a list of of different places or different occasions where Jesus prayed. Um, He prayed when he was baptized. Luke 3.21. He, it says that he often withdrew and prayed. There's the several verses that say, state that. He prayed early in the morning. He prayed before he walked on the water. He prayed before he called his apostles. He prayed before G, a Peter's confession. He prayed on the Mount of Transfiguration. He, he prayed before he taught the disciples to pray. In fact, that's why they asked him. They saw that he was praying. They said, teach us to pray. And so they, they saw that as a regular thing in his life. He prayed for Peter's faith in the end of uh, Luke chapter 22. He prayed a blessing before eating. So we see all of these things. Jesus prayed at different times. He prayed before eating. He prayed before moments of testing. He prayed after difficult times of testing. He prayed in the morning. He prayed in the night. He prayed alone. And he prayed with the disciples. And we just see it all over. But one thing that we can say is that Jesus always had time for prayer. Jesus was busy, wasn't he? Probably more busy than you. Probably more busy than me. But yet he always had time for prayer. So we can all think of what our excuses why we don't have time to do something or why we don't have time for prayer. But if Jesus could pray and have time for prayer, I think that you and I can. And what we see is that the more people demanded his time and attention and the more he ministered and the more he traveled and the more the Pharisees tried to catch him and persecute him, it seems like the more all these things happened, the more he prayed. And without question, we see that prayer saturated every aspect of Jesus' life. And we see that prayer wasn't simply a religious tradition for him. Rather, it was, it was his life. He lived a life of prayer. And so, well, I guess we could just ask ourselves, right? Who do we talk with most often? Maybe it's your roommate. Maybe it's your brother or sister. Maybe it's your mother or father. Maybe it's a girlfriend or boyfriend. Or maybe it's a spouse. But there's, we all have somebody that we talk to a lot, Right? And we're close to that person. So why do we talk to them? I think there's really two reasons why. We love them and we care for them. So we're interested in them. And so we talk to them. We love them. We care for them. And so we're interested in them. We're interested to know what's happening. How did that go for you? What are your plans for the future? What are the difficulties you're facing? Because we love them. We care for them then we are interested in them and when that is true you know what you don't have to force someone to talk to someone else right you don't have to remind a girlfriend to talk to her boyfriend usually if the relationship is good because they love and they care for each other they want to talk to each other but i remember the first time i came to ukraine was in 1994 i know that's probably a long time ago for many of you It was 1994, it was before we had smartphones, it was before we had WhatsApp and Skype and all those things. In fact, it was before we had email. I mean, it was probably around at that time, but I didn't have it. So we came to Ukraine in 1994 and everything was new here. And guess what we wanted to do? We wanted to call home and tell them about it. And so in our apartment, there was a phone and we had to dial the international number to call the United States, and we didn't want to you know run up the phone bill for the person's phone that we were staying with, so we called collect and we didn't even think too much about how much it was costing. I don't know maybe we did, but but you know we, there was so much to tell about what things were like here and what we were doing and all these things that we were experiencing well after I think we were here for almost three weeks. We had a $300 home phone bill back home. That was the price of our conversations, $300. Now that was a lot of money. Of course, that was a lot of money 25 years ago, right? Still a lot of money today, but to us it was kind of worth it because we we just, we were boiling over. We wanted to share all of these things that we were experiencing. So let me ask you, what is the price of prayer? Is there a price of prayer? And if there is, what is it? Well, it costs me and you nothing. Prayer is possible because Jesus Christ paid our phone bill on the cross. Amen? Amen. And if he paid our phone bill on the cross, then we can be on that phone all the time. Now, here's an interesting second part to that story. When Christina came to the States in 1996... Uh, she came to study at a Bible college and she would also call her parents on the phone once a week. She would call on Saturdays. And for whatever reason, for about six months, the phone bill never reflected that she talked on the phone with her parents. And it was just like, then all of a sudden one day it just started showing up. And so for six months, I think maybe it was even more, maybe it was nine months, I don't remember. She got free conversations. we We all get free conversations with our Heavenly Father through jesus christ and this is where the gospel comes in and it reminds us of the access that we have to the heavenly father look at hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 through 22 because it points it out here therefore brothers and sisters since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of jesus by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body and since we have a great high priest over the house of of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Amen? Amen. You see, Jesus paid our phone bill. On the cross, he paid our phone bill, so that we can enter the most holy. That, when we pray, we are entering the most holy of holies. We are entering God's presence. And we shouldn't be proud at all thinking, oh, wow, look what I can do. That is all because of Jesus. And I think it's important for us to remember that, that prayer is entering into God's presence, and we can do that because of Jesus Christ. And so, like Queen Esther of old, who came into Artaxerxes' presence, and he extended the scepter to her because he could have killed her for coming in, right? We also can go in, we're like going into the king's throne room. But God will always extend that scepter to us, and he will always offer us that access if we come by faith in Jesus Christ, who provided us that way. So frequent prayer is the unique privilege of God's chosen sons and daughters. And let's not squander that privilege. The Father's dining table is open to us. So let's go there frequently and refresh our souls and find the needed rest that we need spiritually. Let's hear the Father's voice in those quiet hours and bask in His love. We need that. We need those private prayers of thanksgiving, of praise, and of peaceful contemplation. So, jesus prayed often but a final thing that i want to mention here is that jesus used his prayers in order to teach us jesus knew that his prayers would be recorded not only did he teach us through the lord's prayer but through all of his prayers really so let's look a little bit more at this matthew chapter 6 text in verses 7 through 9 we already read verse 6 where he talked about don't, you know, go on babbling like the pagans, or, or sorry, don't do it on, publicly on the street corners. But verse 7 says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And you probably know most of the rest of that prayer. It's interesting. Jesus says something interesting here. He says, Your father already knows. He already knows, but he still wants you to come. Most fathers know the needs of their children, but they still want them to come. They still want them to come and ask. They want them to come and ask for guidance and for help. They want that relationship to be strong because those children are not able to be independent. And so our Heavenly Father knows your needs, and we can be confident that He knows, but He wants us to come because He wants not just to be an ATM where you just go and punch some numbers and out comes the money that you need. He wants to be a Father that says, I will give you guidance. I will be by your side. I will help you. So... The prayers of Jesus, they really do teach us, and there's a few things that I think they teach us that I want to point out before I close. First of all, they teach prayer as the natural way of life for a Christian. You see, our way of life as a Christian is a dependent way of life. We must realize that we are dependent upon the Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit, And that dependency is seen through prayer. And it's a way of life. And I think that's so clear as we look at Jesus' prayers that this was not just a ceremony. It wasn't just a tradition. He wasn't just reciting words out of a book and it wasn't some sort of a magic spell or formula just so that he could get what he wanted. It was a way of life. It was the natural desire of his heart. It was closeness a relationship with the Father, a heart-to-heart talk. And, in fact, I think we could say that Jesus did not know what ministry or what life was like without prayer. It was just part of everything that he did. And He was never silent in his relationship with God. And so just like that young couple, nobody needs to force them to communicate, Right? they will do it on their own. Or when old friends meet, it's impossible to stop the conversation. Or when a child falls and scrapes his knee and runs to his mother or father. These are natural communications, natural relationships. And it's the kind of relationship that God means for us in prayer. Jesus' prayers also teach prayer as a function of the mind and the heart. That is to say, when Jesus prayed, it was it came from his heart. It was genuine. But they were also rich and they were meaningful and not just superficial and not just checking the box off, okay, I said my prayers, okay, I did this. And they were not just a list of wants that is so easy to do for us. Just say, God, give me this, give me that, help me with this. They were a function of his mind and his heart. And I think an example of this is Jesus' prayers in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross. Because there we see that he honestly cried out to the Father. There was a struggle within him, and he shared that honestly with the Father. Jesus knew what was before him, and he knew he would have to go through it, but it was still just physically, mentally, emotionally, there was a struggle because it would be difficult. And God wants to hear those struggles. He wants us to be honest with him in prayer. If something's difficult for you, tell them that it's difficult. If you have a temptation in an area, tell them that you have a temptation. God wants to hear those things. We need to pray what is true and what is honest with a sincere heart. God doesn't want our impressive theological vocabulary. Instead, he wants to hear our hearts. And so we can see that also in the psalmists who often struggled with these things, and yet they cried out. And in the end, they said, okay, Like, Jesus, not my will, but your will be done. And then the final thing that I think that we can see so clearly in Jesus' prayers is that Jesus' prayers teach prayer as a means of spiritual rest and rejuvenation. And personally, I think that this is something that I often lose in prayer. Sometimes I think prayer is almost something I just feel like I need to get through so I can start my day. Or I better do my prayers so that things go well. But we see that for Jesus, prayer was really a means where he needed to get away, to stop, and he needed that spiritual rest and rejuvenation. So, what do you do to relax? What do you do when you have been studying all day, or working all day, or busy for a long time, and you just need to relax? Honestly, most of us don't just go to prayer at that time, do we? I'm not saying that there are other things that we can do. Certainly there are other things we can do to relax, but sometimes what I call it is false rest. Sometimes we engage in false rest. And usually, and to be quite honest for me, that means jumping on YouTube for five minutes that turns into 20 or 30, right? I'm like, I'm so tired and let me just watch a couple of these and then you go down the youtube black hole and you come up an hour later and you're like i'm more tired than when i started and i'm not kidding jesus didn't browse social media to relax he didn't go on youtube to relax did he instead he went to his heavenly father in prayer and it's a lesson that we need to learn We need to put those things down. Too many of us are emotionally, physically, and spiritually drained because we have failed to go to the Heavenly Father for rejuvenation and rest in our personal prayer life. Let's do that. So let me finish with just a couple of questions that we can ask to ourselves. Four questions here. First, why must I make private prayer a priority in my life? What are the reasons? Why do you need to do that? Why do I need to do that? Number two, in what ways does my prayer life fail to reflect Jesus' prayer life? How can I improve it? As I think about the last week, about the last month, about my prayer habits, or sometimes people call it prayer hygiene, because prayer brings purity to our life. How often... Am I doing it? Where am I doing it at all? How can I improve? Number three, what barriers are keeping me from a healthy prayer life? What kind of habits, maybe bad habits, are keeping me from that healthy prayer life? And then finally, what can I do to establish healthy private prayer patterns in my life this week? So, those are all questions that we can be thinking about together and but what i want to do right now since sometimes you know there's a danger in preaching too much about prayer too because you can it's a sometimes it's easier to preach about prayer than to actually pray right uh sometimes it's easier to oh i got a good book about prayer let me i'll read a book about prayer and then i don't pray so if we want to improve our prayer life the best thing to do is pray right and so we want to take some time now to pray and we often pray in groups, but this time today, what I'm going to ask you to do is just pray privately, okay? Everyone just pray privately. You can pray quietly if you want. You can just pray in your in your heart if you would like. But we're going to just take about 10 minutes. You can pray through some of these questions if you'd like. Whatever is on your heart or mind, take some private time right now with the Heavenly Father, and let's just go to Him, okay? Let's pray.